No one has ever said raising kids is easy. With an overwhelming amount of information about healthy diets, discipline strategies, and the need for more tummy time, it can be really hard to make sense of it all. Welcome to Tot Talk. I'm Mary, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Allison, a pediatric physical therapist. Together, we created Tots on Target to join parents, teachers, and pediatric professionals into one community with the mission to empower each other with a greater understanding of how our children's brains and bodies develop. Join us as we discuss the most relevant topics to help keep all our Tots on Target. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have a great podcast for you. So we actually are sitting down with Dr. Giselle Tadros, a physical therapist and actually a close neighbor of ours. She is a few towns over in Jersey City, New Jersey, so about a half an hour drive away from us. And while we've never actually met her in person, we do feel like we've gotten to know her quite well on Instagram through both of her handles, In Home Pediatric PT and Milk Matters PT, both really great accounts. So today we are actually going to be talking to her about a follow-up discussion on the tongue-tie-lip-tie conversation that we started with Jacqueline Kinzer that we posted a few weeks ago on breastfeeding solutions. And in that podcast, she talked about tongue-tie-lip-ties as being a pretty big issue in with people who are facing difficulties with breastfeeding. And so we decided to bring in Dr. Giselle to talk a little bit further about how to go about treating the tongue and lip tie and what else you might expect if your baby does have a tongue tie or lip tie. Thank you so much for joining us again. Also afterwards, if you want to, you can come visit us at totsontarget.com. We have a great community forum where we can continue the conversation. You guys can ask questions. We'll give you some answers. Other professionals jump on and give answers. And parents are always invited to share and support one another. So it's a really, really great growing platform. And we really invite you to join and participate and benefit from it. Also, if you can give us a rating and a review on our podcast, that would be super helpful in helping more parents and professionals like yourselves find us. Hi, Giselle. It is so nice to be here with you today. We are so excited to be having you on as a guest for our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. So before we begin our whole topic for today's discussion, can you just tell our audience a little bit about who you are, your background, and what your business is today? Sure. So as you know, I'm a pediatric physical therapist. I've been a PT for over 20 years and I actually um, got my undergrad in PT in Canada when it was still just an undergraduate degree. And then when I got married and moved here to New Jersey, I ended up going back to school and getting my doctorate of physical therapy. And I've been working in pediatrics ever since, probably the last 15 years or so. Um, Within the last five years, I started my own practice called In-Home Pediatric PT, and that's where we mainly treat children in the comfort of their own home because I did notice that a lot of people didn't want to go into the hospitals and private clinics and, um, you know, with busier families that wanted you to come to their home, it just sort of 
worked out that way. So um, I've been seeing kids for the last five years, mainly in their homes. And then now I also have a clinic where I see kids as well. And I've branched off in the last few years um, in this really interesting world of tongue ties and lip ties. Um, and basically kids um, that have any kind of feeding issues, that's sort of how it always starts. Um, and as we will talk about, um, feeding is just sort of the tip of the iceberg with a lot of these kids and um, just getting them from a physical therapy perspective up and moving and eating and functioning to be happy, healthy kids. We actually, a few weeks ago, found a podcast on breastfeeding solutions and the lactation consultants that we spoke to, Jacqueline Kinsar, she yes. described <laughs> one of the main problems of, or the challenges I would say that moms find with their babies when breastfeeding is actually due to a tongue tie or a lip tie or both. And it was a really interesting conversation. And we thought it would be great to have you come on and talk to us and to our audience about what that means from actually treating it, the treating it perspective, because now we have a little bit better understanding of how it affects breastfeeding, but how do we treat it? And I think that that would be really interesting for us to learn about and definitely for our followers because it's such an interesting topic. So how did you get into that as a specialty? So thank you for asking that question. When I had first started um, doing like I would go to different community mommy groups and sort of speak about therapy and tummy time and ideas of how to play with your kids and boost their development. One of the uh, moderators for one of the groups in Hoboken, which is a local sort of uh, city here in New Jersey, um, she said to me, do you know anything about oral restrictions? And I said, uh, I don't know. And then, you know, having a new business, you don't want to turn away any clients either. Um, she said there is such a need right now for this kind of work and this kind of therapy. And at the time, they used to refer to it as body work. And we'll get into that too, about what that means and what that means in terms of physical therapy. But um, basically, they knew that these babies needed some kind of hands-on care and that, you know, cutting the tongue tie that um, a dentist or a doctor would do sometimes wasn't really enough to solve the baby's issues. And the reason was there was a lot of other body tightness and stiffness and abnormal movement in these babies. And you have to really look at the whole baby. And so I started looking online and I found an amazing resource, this tummy time method. It's Michelle Emanuel. And so she is an OT actually, and she teaches about tongue ties and how to go about treating them. So I signed up for one of her classes and I went all the way to Cincinnati and I was just absolutely fascinated. Actually, I was the only PT in the room. Um, lots of speech therapists, some OTs, a couple of chiropractors, um, and lots of lactation consultants, actually. And she was just teaching about what that oral restriction is and what we can do about it. And for me as a PT, I just... I was fascinated, but it was also, I felt right up my alley because you're talking about turning on muscles, turning off muscles, sequencing of how to do it, how to relax muscles, how to turn them on. And so it just, for me, it all made sense. Um, so I came back and started doing it and it's just been, you know, such an amazing thing for me to see. So as we know, most babies we think are definitely perfect, but a lot of them do struggle to eat. And so there's a lot of different indications that can show that a baby may be tongue-tied. A mom can have latching difficulties. Um, there could be 
clogged ducts, mastitis, breast and nipple pain. The baby can have some gassiness, fussiness, lots of stuff. And it turns out that we as therapists, by releasing muscles, allowing them to stretch, can have an effect on all of these things. One of the most important things that I've learned uh, from Michelle that is a great and very important piece to treating oral restrictions or tongue ties is tummy time. Tummy time is such a great sort of whole body approach to fixing or improving the oral function. So basically the tummy time, when you put a baby in that position, the tongue has to work against gravity. And so that's the best way that you can make it work. You also make it stretch and tummy time just facilitates sort of the range of motion of the tongue. Um, it also allows the tongue to freely move and go up so that it can touch the top of the palate, which helps with sleep and which helps with breathing. Um, and it's all just um, really related. So it's really interesting to me, of course, and to you guys as OTs that tummy time can have such a great effect on so many different things, feeding included. You know, I know me, I've really only heard about tongue and lip tie, say, within the past few years. Um, and not that they weren't there before. I just feel like I've just heard about it more now. So I guess my question to you is, why would this happen to a baby? Why would he or she get, um, you know, have a tongue or a lip tie? Um, or do you think it's really due to lack of time spent in that prone or tummy time position? Um, so that's a really interesting question, but so there's two pieces that I want to address to that. The first thing, Dr. Cutlow, who um, is sort of a pioneer in the field, he says that back in the 70s, there was like 3 million babies that were born and only 20% of the moms were probably breastfeeding and everyone else was um, using formula or whatever. And so if you take that percentage compared to now, there's about 5 million babies being born every year and 80 to 90% of those women are nursing. And so we're able to flag and catch these tongue ties more and more. So it's not necessarily that they are, it's a fad, but it just seems that we're looking for it now more so because there's more babies being born and more parents that are looking to nurse their children. And so in terms of tummy time, tummy time actually really helps, but it certainly isn't the cause of why a tongue tie would happen. In fact, um, there is basically dissociation in utero. So the tongue will separate from the floor of the mouth by 18 weeks um, gestation. And so if it hasn't happened, it's actually something that happens in utero. Um, a lot of times it's from positioning, I think. Um, a lot of times it's we find that it's a big baby, a small mama. The same things that we would say about torticollis, that, you know, a, a really fast birth, a really slow birth, something in there that like changes the tightness of the body. And for some reason, the frenulum just comes out to be too short or too tight or really thick. And that structure just doesn't allow for the normal movement of the tongue. Of course, nothing in the body happens in a vacuum, you know, mm -hmm. one thing always affects another. So if the tongue is tight, then inevitably the neck is going to be tight, the shoulders are tight, the spine is tight, the hips, and you can just address everything as a whole body to help this baby to figure out how to 
breastfeed normally. I also find when I'm evaluating the babies that it's it's obvious just from the way that their posture is during feeding. So a lot of times they'll scrunch their shoulders right up to their ears. You know, they're like fidgety, they're kicking, they pop on and off, they're not comfortable. And so they're struggling to eat because they just can't get into the right position. So that's always a tip that there's tightness around the body. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that um, tongue and lip ties were always sort of a thing, but now that we know a little bit more about it, we're able to catch these babies and actually do something about it when maybe before um, they would just really struggle with feeding. Exactly. So these are the kids that are probably not gaining weight and the doctor just sort of puts them onto formula or whatever the case is. And then also, I, I love how you said that, you know, obviously, you know, being a physical therapist, you said nothing really happens within a vacuum. Can you describe some other possible um, orthopedic issues or or tightness issues that you would see if a baby does have a tongue or lip tie, other places of the body that may be affected? Sure. So, um it starts obviously in the face and the neck and shoulders. Um, so sometimes you'll see that, you know, the eyes or the ears are a little bit off center. You'll definitely see that the mouth does not open very wide. They're unable to really stretch it open. Their tongue doesn't come out very well. Their shoulders are way up at their ears, sometimes just on one side, sometimes both. I find that they all have very tight spines. Um, sometimes their hips as well can also be very tight. There's also um, like a low tongue posture. So their tongue, if you guys think of where your tongue is now when you're just sort of resting and listening to me and your mouth is closed, it's actually tucked up behind your top two teeth, but touching the roof of your mouth behind, on the palate. So these babies, we find that their tongue actually lies in the bottom of their mouth and doesn't sort of go up to that closed position. Um, and then, of course, because of that, there could be some open mouth posture, lots of drooling um, and and also breathing through their mouth. And that's another big reason why nursing is so hard because they're not nasally breathing. They're trying to breathe through their mouth while they're eating and it's pretty much impossible. Um, and then all these things, if unchecked, we can see that they have speech delays. They can become picky eaters. They can have like dental issues, snoring, um, and that high arch palate can have a lot of like sleep dis disordered breathing issues and sleep apnea and sleep disturbances. Yeah, it's, it's, as you said, nothing is in a vacuum. And it's very interesting to hear, again, what parents should just look out for. It doesn't mean every baby's going to have all these issues or it's ongoing. And from what you said, this is actually very fixable. So these are just things to be aware so that you might not understand why your baby is snoring at night, but it could actually have something to do with the tongue positioning and that tongue lip tie. Um, so that's, that's very interesting yes, exactly. information. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely want you guys to understand that not every baby with a tie will exhibit symptoms and not, you know, not everyone is impacting their function. And so that's as a therapist, what I always look at. So is this tongue tie impacting function? Are they having trouble eating, sleeping, breathing, those kinds of things? And then is intervention warranted based on that? So there's so many feeding and non-feeding symptoms, and I have them all listed um, on my Milk Matters Instagram page, which you guys can check out. And it's not an exhaustive list, but it at least give parents an idea um, 
if it could be something that maybe you're missing when you look sort of at all of the symptoms together. And the other thing that is really worth um, mentioning is that I had to go through postgraduate training with Michelle Emanuel and I did some talk tools courses as well. Um, this stuff is not taught to us in medical school, in PT school, in OT school, even in dental school. This is sort of not part of the curriculum. It's pretty new stuff. And so if you go to your pediatrician, lactation consultant, dentist, ENT, and they haven't had formal training on this topic, they may tell you that there is not a tongue tie. But the reality is that they haven't really been taught how to look for it, how to recognize it, how to address it. And so I always tell people that make sure you find an experienced provider that sort of can help you and your family out. That that makes sense. And then I'll, that was actually my question. How would a parent get a diagnosis for their child or even do they need one? Or would it be a situation where they could reach out to somebody like yourself and get some sort of consultation to evaluate is there truly indeed a tongue lip tie? Right. So definitely if you um, suspect that there might be one, you do need to see somebody who is trained in ankyloglossia. There's a few directories out there on providers um, and on different websites that I found. One is tongue-tie-professionals.org, and then there's another one that is icapprofessionals.com. Um, but of course, if you're not if this person is not a member of the professional association, then it may not, their their names may not come up. But I have found there's a ton of tongue-tie groups on Facebook. So if you go into Facebook um, and just locate a tongue-tie group in your local area, moms seem to always have all the answers. So, um, you know, you just put a question on there and someone will inevitably tell you who they went to, who they saw, who they recommend, um, and if they're good and bad. Luckily, in our area, we have some great doctors and dentists that perform uh, great releases with either with a laser or um, with scissors. And really, it the best outcomes is when it's managed as a team. So, you know, I'm there, the lactation consultant, the dentist, and we all work together to decide when the best time to release the baby is and then how the therapy will follow after to get them latching and to get them feeding well. How do you determine when the right time is? Because I would have thought that the second you notice it, that would have been the time to release it. Is that not always the case? So that is absolutely the biggest sort of controversy right now, not just in like the tongue tie community, but even among the different providers. So of course, if a baby is having trouble eating, um, Dr. Cutlow, again, he always says if it's a um, an anterior tongue tie or the baby is losing weight or a posterior tongue tie, he just releases them right away. There's no need to wait. Um, but in uh, Michelle Emanuel will always say that, you know, the timing of the release is really important because as I have seen over and over again, the release, I always say it unlocks the door, but it doesn't open it. So so it allows the tongue to move more freely, but the reality is the tongue doesn't know how to move because it's never moved, it's never sucked correctly, and so there needs to be a little bit of neuromuscular education to the, you know, the tongue and the muscles surrounding the issue so that the baby learns how to feed correctly. Um, yeah. So you have to strike a balance. I, in an ideal world, I would love to see somebody at least once before the tie. Um, and that allows the baby too to just get used to hands being in the mouth. And, um, you know, because there is a post-op wound care protocol that has to be followed for the tongue tie release. And um, it, it can be stressful on parents. So getting them comfortable 
just the motions of what they're supposed to be doing, what they're supposed to be looking for, is always better to do when it's much less stressful and the baby's not crying and there's no wound. Um, and so I like to get in at least one session before. And then I say, within 24 to 48 hours, you should be seeking out some kind of body work and they're going to help guide the baby and teach the baby the different exercises, the range of motion, the strength to get the baby latching successfully. Yeah. As you said earlier, it's such an interesting field, but in PT school, certainly we didn't cover this at all. And as you said, which I didn't even realize that a lot of other professions are also not covering this area. And what I would like to delve into a little bit more is the fact that the body is all connected. And I actually treated my first baby uh, almost a year ago now with, um, who had already had a tongue lip tie released. Um, Mm -hmm. but the mom actually called me in because she felt that her hips were very tight. She felt the baby's hips were very tight. And when I got there, she told me that the baby had had a tongue lip tie released. And that's why also getting a history is so important, being able to find out what is what happened beforehand, because a parent might not associate those two symptoms together or having the tongue lip tie and having hip tightness. But as we started working on the tightness throughout her body, she started drooling more from her bottle or during nursing. (laughs) And it was very interesting. And really, I was not experienced. And I told her so. I said, I'm really not well-versed in this area. I don't know oral facial musculature well enough. But she wanted me to continue. And I did some research on my own. It was just very interesting because we ended up using kinesio tape to strengthen the the oral motor muscles. And it really, it, it, made a tremendous difference. But even me learning that through the process of treating the first baby that I've dealt with, with this condition, I realized myself, oh my gosh, when I'm loosening her hips, all of a sudden her mouth muscles are loosening as well. And maybe the rest of her body tightness was compensating for her mouth. Exactly. You know, you, got and, you hit the yeah. nail on the head. <laughs> That it's compensation. And that's why I was saying when you watch a baby eat, you're going to see how tight they are and you're going to see all those weird movements when a baby should be, you know, like we used to call my daughter, you'd say, oh, they're in their milk coma because they're just so like chill and relaxed when they're eating. It even happens with me where, you know, in my regular practice, I'll get somebody who comes that has torticollis. And as we're talking and I've asked a full history and a birth history and a delivery history and everything, and the tongue tie never comes up. And then I can just tell once I put the baby on their belly, the way that their tongue is moving or not moving, you know, and I ask and they're like, oh yeah, we forgot to mention they did. He had a tongue tie released early in life. And I could just see that the proper rehab wasn't done. And so the baby is still struggling. And inevitably, like you said, as they start to get better at tummy time and you loosen different things and you help them, the feeding does improve and change. So just to, I just want to make sure I'm hearing this correctly. And when we're talking about something like a tongue lip tie and then also torticollis, is the, maybe you can explain this a little bit better, is the torticollis resulting because of the compensatory measures that the baby is trying to do Um, because of the tongue lip tie? Or is it just common that when there's soft tissue restriction, you also see restrictions in other areas? It's a great question. And I don't know that we have an answer to that. It's sort of like the chicken or the egg. Right. I wasn't sure. Right. So, you know, is, was there intrauterine constraint and the way that the baby developed, you know, 
preventing normal development and then the tugging caused the tugging in the entire body? It could mm-hmm. be, right? Or is the compensation as a result of the tie what's causing all of the tightness? And I think that there's not really one solid answer for that. I think that we just need to be aware that it's related and you have to treat the body as a whole body and not just in isolation. And I think that that's been, for me, the biggest lesson is, you know, because a PT, someone complains of shoulder and we look at shoulder, you know, and especially um, with kids too, you know, we, we do address the whole body um, in terms of development and that kind of thing. But this has just made me so much more aware of everything, including feeding that can affect the way that a body is positioned um, and how a baby can move. And interestingly enough, um, it can affect development. A hundred percent. Every stage of development builds on the previous one. So when you're starting off with excessive tightness in different areas of the body, it is 100% going to affect development in some way. So that's a really good point. Um, Another question, do you find that you have, you know, you said when you went to that tummy time method course, you were like the only PT in the room. (laughs) Do you feel like as a PT, you bring a different skill set than let's say a speech therapist who's more trained in oral facial musculature? Um, I absolutely do. I mean, I took everything I learned at that course and apply my PT perspective to it. So, you know, things like motor learning and how to change, you know, the actual neuroplasticity to get the, the tongue doing what we want when it hasn't been doing what we want. The, the techniques I use to elicit muscle contraction, the, the tips, the tricks I use to decrease muscle firing. All of those things are PT skills that I myself have created my own sort of protocol to address. In addition, to really looking at neck strength. Um, You know, these babies, all these tongue-tie babies are very uncomfortable, very challenged in a tummy time position because of the fascial tension that is in their body. And a lot of parents perceive that their baby hates this position so much that they don't do it. And so, you know, tummy time is such a core foundation for me for all of future development in general, but also it's it's always a sign for me that there's something more going on if this baby after a week or two, you know, of committed tummy time stuff that would normally work on another baby isn't happening, then you have to look further and see what's going on. And just the same, I've learned so much from speech therapists. So, you know, there's a lot of tips and tricks that they use that I necessarily wasn't taught in school. And so, you know, I definitely refer out if it's more of a feeding issue. I only will treat babies that I call that I call pre-crawling. So once a child is mobile and eating solids, then that's definitely out of my scope. I can treat them for you know, if there's any developmental delays, but in terms of the tongue and stuff, then uh, they need to be seeing a speech and feeding specialist. Is there ever a time where a baby would have a tongue and or lip tie, but they don't need a procedure, um, but rather if they work with, say, somebody who's trained like yourself, you'd be able to do some of the body work, some of the neuromuscular reeducation, um, some of the soft tissue lengthening, and the child would not even need the procedure. Is that ever a case or do you always work in tandem or, or do you always follow up after the procedure and then continue the reeducation? So that's also another great, great question. And that's how I know you guys are therapists because we always like to go the conservative way. And so the truth is that the 
frenulum, which is what we're talking about, that tongue tie, um, is a piece of collagen that sits between the tongue and the roof of the mouth. That we cannot stretch. It's thick. It's, you know, a piece of collagen. And no matter what I do, it's not going to stretch. So I can stretch all the surrounding structures. We can, you know, activate the right muscles and whatnot, but we can't change the tongue tie. So again, I say it goes back to function. If a child is having, you know, if the mom is having painful nursing, if it's taking forever, if their milk is very, is not coming in, the baby has reflux, you know, all these different things, um, then we address it. And I think it's important to do. Um, I, again, I will see a baby, show them stuff, recommend to try this stuff for a week or so and see what happens to the feedings. Um, and then from there, we make the decision. In fact, in this sort of pandemic time, that's how we've been doing things because I was seeing kids um, virtually and some of the dentists were only doing emergency cases. So um, it really just depends on the functional impact is what um, I think. As you know, there's probably a lot of normal humans walking around, you know, that have tongue ties and they fed fine and they were fine. And so um, that's my perspective, of course, the dentist or whatever, they say telling someone you have um, a small tongue tie is like saying you're just a little bit pregnant. Like it's sort of a black <laughs> and white. You either have a tongue tie or you don't. Um, and so, you know, in their minds that you need to release it. So. Right. I guess it's always dependent on who you ask. And <laughs> as, as you said, from the very beginning, it's really about function, right? From the therapy perspective, you're going to look at the function of feeding, of tightness throughout the body and developmental milestones being met, correct? Is that the biggest indicator of whether or not treatment is required on an ongoing basis? Um, that's usually what my recommendation is for sure to parents. There, There is some research out there that shows, you know, some long-term effects and structural and functional changes that can happen and the impact that it can have on sleep and if they're mouth breathing because they can't get their tongue up to close the mouth to the roof of the mouth. You know, there's a lot of other sequelae that could potentially happen, not necessarily as an infant, but maybe later on in life. And so as long as the parents are aware that those are things that may be related to the tongue tie, I say it's okay to push the can down the road. You know, for now, if you're having a good breastfeeding journey with your child and you're not having any issues, then why go through the procedure? Right. Again, that's controversial. And I don't think they would like that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's 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 just really interesting because my my son, my middle son, I tried to nurse him for like 2 days. My my twins had just turned 2. It was very chaotic. It like yeah. lasted for 2 days, but he would like we'd nurse for about 45 minutes and then be screaming and drain a bottle. And it was just it was not going well, so I stopped. But um but it's interesting because he wasn't the best bottle feeder either. And then a few, like when he was two and a half, he was also a big mouth breather, um, constantly drooling. And we ended up getting his adenoids out, which solved his problem. But I wonder if there was also a tongue, like it's hard to know because there are so many symptoms that you described that I'm like, ah, that, that was him. Um, mm -hmm. but then later on, we attributed it to larger adenoids. I wonder sure. if, is there a time that you would miss this as a baby and then find out? later on that there was a tongue lip tie? Does it go away if it's 100%. not treated as a baby? 
So I learned this too when I was, you know, doing all the different courses, but just the fact that mouth breathing, um, when you're constantly mouth breathing, you're not filtering air the way you would be if you're nasal breathing. So you're actually breathing in a lot of stuff. So the adenoids, the tonsils, they actually tend to be inflamed in a lot of these kids. So it's interesting that removing it, you know, it did help. So I don't know, it would totally be interesting to see. Um, but definitely like that mouth breathing and the sequelae of that could cause it, you know. Um, That's interesting. So That's really know. interesting. Because I, I feel like so ahead. many kids now are getting, <laughs> no, so many kids now, I, I've heard so many cases of adenoids being removed or tonsil shaving down. And I don't remember that as a kid being a thing. Um, right. Maybe it was, I, I don't know. But there are so many kids that I know now who do get their adenoids removed. And I wonder if they're right, maybe really had been a tongue tie. I guess research is yet to be proving yeah. one way or the other what that, you know, as you said, chicken or egg, or if that's associated at all. Absolutely. This has been an amazing conversation. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can connect with you if they're looking for more information? Absolutely. So on Instagram, I have two different accounts. One is Milk Matters PT. That is specifically geared for babies um, under six months of age that um, have lip and tongue ties. So lots of information there for parents. Um, and then my regular physical therapy account is in-home pediatric PT, where we talk a lot about everything. And um, I actually right now man both those accounts. So if you send a DM, I'm always happy to help you find, um, you know, a provider in your area, answer any questions you have. Just don't send me pictures. Nobody can diagnose a tongue tie from a picture. It really needs to be felt and palpated and assessed the right way. So um, anyone that tells you that, oh, yeah, that's a tongue tie, it, it's just take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> that, that's actually also helpful information in itself, because if somebody is telling you that via virtual services or pictures, that is probably, you know, a red flag that it's not necessarily, you know, right. A, I mean, 100 percent. Right. Some people maybe can, but to me, you know, I'm a PT. I trust my fingers more than I trust my eyes. And um, I need to, to be certain I have to palpate. So that's, and that's how you're taught to see it and, you know, identify where it starts, where it stops. Um, so yeah, you need to really have a finger in the mouth um, for it to be correctly identified. This is amazing. Thank you so much, Giselle. This has been a wonderful conversation and we look forward to many more conversations in the future. Thank you guys so much. This has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please note that this is general information, and since we do not know your child, it is best to contact your pediatrician or a local pediatric professional if you have specific concerns. We invite you to continue the conversation on this topic in our online community at totsontarget.com. Additionally, you can find any toys, books, or products we mentioned in our Amazon storefront located in our show notes or on our website. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for daily tips on how to keep your tot on target.